Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am thrilled that you've joined us for another episode of the show where I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week and share their insights with you. And I do hope they inspire you. And if you like this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, and review. And I do ask that you share it with at least one person that you think could benefit from this so we can elevate the collective of leaders out there. And just know, I am here to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And it is because of that I am blessed with having amazing guests such as Scott Miller, who is a both a visionary leader and an accomplished operator in the beverage world. With more than 30 years of professional experience and nearly two decades as a highly effective chief executive officer, his style represents nothing less than transformational leadership. He's honed his skills on leading organizational behavioral changes and development of what he calls smart actions while creating positive top-line growth and sustainable, profitable results for stakeholders. He speaks to my heart. Can't wait for this conversation. Scott, welcome to the show. Deb, it's an honor to be here with you today. I look forward to talking about business and life a bit. Oh, I am as well. Just a little bit for my audience. Through networking, Scott and I were brought together, but where it resonates with him and I is the fact that we come up through a similar industry, both in manufacturing, he with beverages, I came from the flavor and fragrance industry. So we understand the market is changing. It is challenging. I also look forward to learning from him while we go through this conversation. And oh my, we're also going to talk about his book, The Summit Mindset. There is so much great content in there. We want to bring all of that to you. But I will pass the mic over to you, Scott, and just share a bit about your backstory and how have you arrived at the work you're doing now, as well as at Yesly, your company. Sure. So Yesly is a a new company we've started. It's an enhanced still water beverage filled with vitamin C, B12, and B6. And we can chat about that in a little bit. But let's back up a bit and talk about where I started my career. I actually started my career on the warehouse floor at Pepsi from the ground up. And learning everything really from the ground up. And I was there for about seven years. And when I was there, I really said, I want to be a future leader. And I really started to look at people and model them and try to understand, you know, what they actually do. What does good look like? What does bad look like? And really became a really big reader. I grew up a kid of real poverty. My life was kind of tough coming up. And I lost my dad at a very young age. And I'll share a story with you, Deb. You know, on his deathbed, he turned to me and said, I'm sorry. And I said, sorry for what? And he said, I'm sorry I should have tried harder. See, my dad was a roofer in the Northeast, and through those winter months, there was no work with snow on the roofs. And on his deathbed at the age of 50 years old, he turned to me and said he was sorry he should have tried harder. So that was an intersection in my life, which really made me dig in and say that weakness of his would become my strength. And I continued to work really hard and learn. And then I went on to the Snapple Beverage Group, this little company called Snapple Beverage in Valley Stream, New York, with Lenny Arnie and Heimring, the three founders of that business. And we built that business. And through five different ownerships, I continued to stay 
at Snapple for 14 years, a long period of time, continued to excel and learn from every different company I was with. From there, at the age of 42, I became a CEO of Tampico Beverages at a young age. And again, I'll reflect with you a minute, Deb. I remember meeting bosses and they'd say, what do you want to do with your career? And I'd say, well, I'd like to be a CEO someday. And they'd kind of laugh at me and say, well, there's only one of those jobs. And I continue to keep my focus on what I wanted to do. I continue to be a learner. I continue to be purposeful in pursuit of being a CEO. And at the age of 42, I became a CEO of Tampico Beverage. And we were able to sell that company to Houshin's Industry, the largest ESOP in America. And I was there for a long period of time too. I always played the long game. I never rushed out of jobs. I was there for 14 years. And from there, I went on. I met Ken Uptain, the founder of Essential Water and based in Seattle, and joined his company as CEO of Essential Water. And we were honored and blessed to sell that company to Nestle, the largest food and beverage company in the world in 2021. So there's a little bit about Scott Miller, just in a broad brushstroke. And I've recently written my first book called The Summit Mindset, Winning the Battle, You Versus You. Oh my, I don't know which direction to go in, Scott, but that was really interesting. I want to give time to your book and company, but I want to come back a little bit to you. So let's just talk about this transition point about, you know, your father saying I should have tried harder. And I just, there's two things. How did you take that piece of advice and turn that into, oh my, getting to be a CEO, CEO at the age of 42, because that is very young. And there's something in you that you had the confidence or something to ascend to such a role because so many people in my audience who are already in that age group can't see themselves in those roles, but it is absolutely reachable. Tell me about you and how did you do that? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I think it's reachable for all of us. I think that life brings us all intersections. And in those intersections are moments to learn and dig in and really ask ourselves the tough question, Let's have some courage and move forward. Let's go after our dreams. Let's go after that blue sky in our life. And I think folks often conform of what the world tells them they should be. And that moment for me was like, I can achieve anything through hard work, through discipline. I think all leaders have to be learners and have to be readers and go after it. And I think you have to block out the noise and you have to really do the reps on going after your dreams. And I just encourage your listeners not to conform to life, but to have courage. And courage comes in many different ways. Courage isn't just bold and loud courage. It's steady, focused, consistent courage on what you want. And that was the first intersection of many through my life that really said, this is my dream. I'm going to be a leader and a learner, and I'm going to achieve this goal. And today, you know, I've always dreamed of running my own business. And today, Yesley is born. So I think what happens to folks also, they get at a point in their life, they say, well, I can't do it anymore. I think we can always do it. I think you could do it when you're young in the middle and older and you can't give up. You have to be persistent and then you have to do the work. You got to do what I call the reps. You have to keep practicing like you play. I think what happens Deb, to a lot of us in life when the ball goes out of bounds, we just stop. Put the ball back up in bounds and keep playing. That's the goal. You know, what I find really interesting about that, again, it's just that tenacity to move forward because a lot of what I will say, one demographic of professionals, very talented people, get to a place of feeling stuck, like it's outside of the control. Nothing I do seems to work. Leadership doesn't understand. I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. I understand those frustrations, but at the end of the day, I say to them, I said, but you do have choices. You can either be a continual learner and continue to hone your skills, even if you can't move out of the environment, or maybe there's a few skills you haven't learned to help you break through that environment and continue to move forward with your goals. 
Yeah, very, very important. I think, look, all of us face adversity in life, and that's really what the Summit Mindset is about. When James C. Moore, a New York Times bestseller, and myself wrote the Summit Mindset, we thought of the mountain that I'm a big runner in the backcountry, the clouds roll in, there's rain, there's snow in the mountains, and you have to decide to take some shelter and then recalibrate and keep going. And that's really life for all of us, right? Adversity hits us all. Nobody escapes the rain. But how do you stay after your goal? How do you stay after your vision? And I believe this mindset of never stop evolving, that leaders should always be learners. And we're all leaders. It doesn't matter if you manage one person, zero people, because what we first have to manage is ourself. When we have a mindset that we manage ourselves, we have a mindset of continuous improvement. So I think it's really important. And I think that Getting stuck is okay because my greatest victories in life have actually come through struggle. The victories lanes is the easy part. The job's done. It's the climb and continuing to learn on that climb and continuing to recalibrate and keep getting better. Our dreams can be achieved and they're achieved through really hard work and they're achieved through never giving up and being a continuous learner. I think it's really, really important. I also believe, Deb, look, we can learn from everyone. Our neighbor knows something we don't know. You know something I don't know. When you have that mindset, you really open up your world and you learn from everyone. And you're not single focused. You never stop evolving. And you just keep going after your goals and dreams. It doesn't mean they're easy, but it does mean you can do it. Yeah, you've tied so many different thoughts in there together. You know, you use the word courage again, that was chapter <laughs> one entire chapter in your book, and also you against you. So I happen to be associated with some professional organizations, and I have the good fortune of mentoring a few people that realize that within their environment, they are stuck and they need an outside perspective. And it is beautiful when they do have that awareness. And then you impart some insight and then just watch them blossom. So having courage to ask for help is part of that evolution. So important. But I I got a question here because I am curious. When you talk about you versus you, what are the symptoms or what do you see in individuals that they're struggling against themselves? Because the rest may actually be easy to get ahead. What are the symptoms or things that you see? Because I think people in my audience might be struggling with, it's against me right now. I can't get out of my own way. Absolutely love that question, Deb. I think people first have to say, what's their North Star? What are they in pursuit of in life? What sets their soul on fire? What do they get after? And then in organizations, when I run organizations, I set up pillars. And I think people need pillars in their personal lives. My pillars are my faith, my family, others, and business. So no matter what happens in life, I toggle between those four pillars. And one's always a little bit out of bounds, but then I reset and come back. But I know the pillars I live my guiding principles by. And my North Star, I understand my North Star. And I think often... Businesses get lost because they don't have a North Star. Individuals get lost because they don't have a North Star. And businesses get lost because they don't have pillars, nor do individuals. So who are you? What do you want out of life? You know, the standard answer through the years of interviewing folks, I say, tell me a little bit about Deb. And they say, well, I'm a hard worker, I'm honest, and I'm a family person. Well, close your eyes. Everyone would say that, right? That doesn't really tell me anything about Deb. So I think your guiding principles and your North Star, like what sets your soul on fire, what gets you up in the morning, that's where it all starts. Often when people are stuck, they can't tell you what sells their soul on fire and what they want to do. You can't navigate to where you want to go unless you know what your North Star is. And what is your North Star? My North Star is to be the best human I can be. And some days I'm great at that and some days I stink at it. 
But every day I want to be a little better. I want to do what we're doing today. I want to have a conversation. I want to help people. I want to chat about business and life. I love to pursue business. So my North Star is being in pursuit of being the best I can be. And, and quite frankly, that's not perfect. It's just progress. And if we all have that mindset, we're okay with imperfection. It's just about progress. And if I was worried about perfection, this podcast would not exist. Yeah. Or I would have an infinite number of edits with my production company because I flub my words, skip some words. You get what I mean. I don't have to say sorry if I miss some things. It's the message. It's the human connection here, the conversation and helping others. So I totally get that. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. We're going to go back to your book, but I want to come back to you. Kudos to you for starting your own company. Again, what was the inspiration? Tell me more about the problem you are trying to solve. Who are you trying to connect with with this company? Yeah, great question. I think that I've always played the long game in life. And I can tell you when I was 30 years old, I wanted to be a CEO and I wanted to run my own business someday. And I've been an operating CEO now for 20 years, and this is my third CEO role. And, and finally, it's my own business with Ken Uptain as the co-founder. So I'm 60 years old today. I don't think you ever stop chasing your dreams. I don't think you ever stop going after them. And I've always been in pursuit of them. And I'll do that as long as I you know, walk the earth. So that's kind of my mindset. I felt there was an opportunity for white space in the market with Yesly. I think that to create a functional product that's better for you with vitamin C, B12, B6, zero calories and enhanced still water beverage that's not carbonated can give the consumer something that's fun and better for you and with a function. So that was the goal. And we believe we're really filling a white space for this active lifestyle brand, right? And that doesn't mean you have to be a hardcore athlete. It means you want to go for a walk around the block. You want to take a hike on a weekend, bring a Yesly with you, enjoy it, have multiple consumption of something's better for you. And again, it's a way of doing something healthy, better for you. I'm a big runner. I like to really this vision of living healthy lifestyle. And I thought this was a great space for us to be the next chapter in business. Because it does start with mindset. I mean, anybody can be an athlete. You just are di different places on the spectrum of what you choose to do, et cetera. Just a quick thing here. I'm actually practicing again for another half marathon. Yeah, I used I to that. say I hate running, but I actually, every time I do it in my own world, I feel wonderful after rewarding myself with that physical exercise. You feel amazing. And yeah. I feel like an athlete. I'm not the fastest, but I can move this body <laughs> for as long as I... I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I always say motion is life, right? I've never gone out for a run and finished a run and say, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. I always feel better when I'm done. And if we all just did that, it's not about the watch or time. It's about movement. It's about feeling better about ourselves so we can be more productive every day. So you're filling a white space here. 
Who's your competition? Is there competition or is it a totally new category? Yeah, and I think that, you know, our North Star on the business is every consumer with a mouth and be the number one enhanced still water beverage in North America. So anybody that drinks water is our competition. We're an enhanced still water beverage. It's flavored. It's black cherry, kiwi, strawberry. It's lemon. It's pomegranate, blueberry, acai. So it's four different flavors. And anyone in the water space is our competition. I think we have an opportunity to be a real first mover. We're in a 16-ounce aluminum can, which is good for sustainability. So we can capture all channels of trade. You know, I gave a speech this summer at Columbia University, and they've stopped carrying plastic on their campus. So aluminum is something that is a movement. Sustainability is a movement in the environment. That's important to us, too. So we really think that we're capturing a space that creates a brand that's fun, it's better for you, and you can take to the pool, you can take out to the lake or to the beach as well. So beautiful. And it does take courage to start your own business. Now, you say this isn't your only rodeo. You've done this before. But for you, because it's only like a couple years old, your company right now? Five months old. Five months old. Okay. (laughs) Congratulations and much success moving forward. Thank you. Have you hit your stride and realized I am relevant and these are some quick wins? Because sometimes as a business owner, and I know myself, sometimes we don't recognize the wins, but they are really wins to know you're getting traction and reaching your target audience. Tell me about that. Have you hit your stride yet? Well, I think your stride is something you're always doing, right? It's about doing it every day doing the reps and having really good fundamentals. And just the last five months, we've opened up 7-Eleven. Today, we just got news. We're going into Sprouts. We're going into Target. We're going into Stop and Shop. And we've put on over 25 distributors throughout the country. And over the course of the next two years, we'll be a national brand. So a brand that's only five months old, we're doing good fundamental work every day. And we just have to keep doing the reps every day. And some days are better than others. But we think, again, our story is really interesting because we do have something that will incrementalize the revenue for a profit for our retailers and our distributors and bring something new to the consumer. Oh, I love that story. And ha- just, again, having the courage to try something new. And I like what you say, doing the reps, because I know as a business owner, and I know there's some people in my audience, you do the reps, you do the reps, and sometimes you just have to continue to do the reps because you don't know who you're impacting, who you're watching, how is your marketing, how, how are people recognizing you in the workplace? It, it's a long game, like I think you said, mm-hmm. and ultimately you're going to realize all that investment was worth it. So you're very encouraging. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I believe it really is a long game. I don't look at anything with a short-term view. You know, I love to say sound fundamentals and the ability to look inward. I think business and life is an inside out job. You ask yourself what you stink at. Asking ourselves what we stink at allows us to make adjustments, allows us to recalibrate. So I truly believe that it is about doing the reps. It's chop tree, carry water. And then every week, every day, picking up your head and say, what mistakes do we make? Where do we have to make corrections? And it's a mindset, Jeb, of being constructively dissatisfied. When we're constructively dissatisfied, we're always getting better because we're looking inward. It's kind of like reviewing the tape in sports. Hey, where'd the ball go out of bounds? Where do we make the adjustment? You know, I've heard through the years, people say, well, Scott, you're hard on yourself. Or you're hard on an organization. I kind of spawn and say, no, I'm not. I'm constructively dissatisfied because when we do that, we have the ability to continue to grow. We have the ability to continue to adapt. We have the ability to continue to recalibrate. And the best businesses are always looking inward what they stink at because they continue to recalibrate. Once we start reading our own newspaper clippings is when we stop growing. 
I'm just getting inspired by you. (laughs) What you do and how you speak is so aligned to my brand. I mean, I go in with positivity. To add to what you've also said, yeah, you need to debrief where you didn't get the desired outcome. It doesn't mean if it's good or bad. It's just that you learn something as well. But I also, I find a lot of these tremendously, I would say, successful leaders, whether they're CEOs or companies or coming up in their career, we also don't recognize the wins. We just say, well, that was just part of my job. Well, that's what I'm good at. And we don't recognize the good things that we do. And I think we have to also spend time not just debriefing what we did not right, but also let's just, okay, reinforce the good things. Because if you did something right, you want to keep going there and leverage that strength. For sure. Momentum creates momentum. And that's why I think to your point, looking at the wins, creating momentum, inspiring folks to know the good work that's being done is really, really important. If your dad were alive today, and I know he said, you know, I wish I could have done better, worked harder or something. What would you say to him right now? Because I know it he impacted you somewhat. Yeah, he really did. I would say that, you know, it's an honor to be on this journey that I hope when you look, your weaknesses become my strength. I learned so much from you being an honest, honorable man and a hardworking man. And, um, you know, I've took that time with you towards the end of your life at a very young age and it inspired me to do better, inspired me to make him proud. So it's funny you asked that question. I appreciate that question because there's times in my life where I pause through different intersections. And I say, man, I wish I could just have a glass of wine with you and just talk about life a little bit. So, you know, we all have adversity in life. It comes to us all. And I think that part of the book, The Summit Mindset, is how you deal with that and how you continue to work through it. So I hope that, uh, you know, we could sip a glass together and be proud. Now, you and I are talking today, but you talk about, you know, the authors that you, you have somebody else that wrote the book with you. How did you guys divide and conquer the concept? What were the synergies? Because again, I'm talking to you, but there's somebody else there I'd like to know more about as well. James Seymour is an outstanding human. He's, uh, he's a New York Times bestseller. And I met James through a, a mutual colleague. And I went down to Austin, Texas to meet with him. And I talked to him about the book and what I wanted to do. And you know, Jim did a lot of work in politics and different fields on his books. And he wasn't really sure if the summit mindset was the right kind of book. It wasn't what he was typically writing. And I asked him to come down and spend some time with me in Sarasota, Florida, where I live. And we spent a weekend together and we agreed to do the book together. And I had hired, before meeting Jim, I hired a writing coach to help me kind of outline the book and get an idea of the book. So when I went to him, I went to him with the vision and the concept. And then we just broke down every chapter and we wrote back and forth together. And he's a very timely and diligent person. And so am I. So we were very on time with our discipline and our timelines working together. And we just had a great collaboration. And of course, Here's another thing for our audience. I never wrote a book before with anyone. I've never thought about this. And on this journey, people said to me, why do you want to write a book? You know, nobody knows you. And I've never worried about who knows me or not. I thought I had something to say that was meaningful. And I wrote this book with James C. Moore. And last week, I'm proud to uh, announce that it became an Amazon bestseller, number one in um, vocation and guidance. So really proud of that. And it was an excellent journey and it was new to me, right? So I encourage your listeners to do things that are new and different and get outside of their comfort zone. And I always push myself outside of my comfort zone. You know, you said something very profound, and this is something that I repeat to my listeners is you said you had something to say. Because a lot of people hold back. They say, well, that's just part of my job. I'm just doing my job. But also 
they have moments of like projecting their own thoughts. We need to think differently. And that's one of the pivotal points that I had is I started communicating differently than the company that I was in. And some people celebrated my voice and others didn't. And that was a point that I realized I was different or I was evolving. And I remember distinctly, I started writing my thoughts down, just spitballing, throwing stuff up on a whiteboard that didn't make sense. I said, but I needed to keep that legacy of information because someday that information needs to be said. So I tell everybody out there, write down your unique thoughts. You might not have a book in you, but maybe a webinar or a presentation that you stand out because again, that could be one of the keys to you breaking out of you versus you, but getting your voice out there because that's what people are waiting for. And people will follow those that have courage and put their voice out there. Yeah, and Deb, I think that is so profound. It's courage to act, right? It's having the courage to act and take the step forward because every time we do act, whether it's to your point, out for a run or whiteboarding something, we actually feel better about it. And I think that it's important that, you know, this isn't a dress rehearsal. We all have one shot at life. And I said earlier, do things that set your soul on fire, get after it, you know, don't conform, act. And it's really important to do things that set your soul on fire. I always say block out the noise, drive your own lane. There's never any traffic and just get after it. And that's why I'm writing a second book. And (laughs) just thinking about the words that I'm putting down to paper, because my first book, The CEO's Compass, was written for the C-suite leader who has a playbook that worked, but then something changes and they've lost their way and they need to get back to true north. That's why you and I resonate really, really closely. But the second book, Every time I think about what I'm writing and who I'm writing it for, it's for that leader that wants to at least get a seat at the table. Maybe not necessarily the C-suite, but break through the frustration that they have been having. And writing sets my soul on fire. When I think about writing or when I am in flow, I actually get teary-eyed and it's just this emotion I can't explain. But that's when I know that is my zone of genius. And some of my words, even if it's just one word, will impact one person and it makes it all worthwhile. I love it. Excellent. So good. So what are you hoping to accomplish with the book? Because I just got off the phone with my book coach. You've got to have an outcome (laughs) that you hope to achieve. What do you hope to achieve or who do you want to reach with the Summit Mindset? Yeah, I think the book for me, when we started the book, I wanted to be a hybrid book. I wanted a CEO to be able to read the book in the boardroom. And I wanted a mom to be able to read the book, even if she just wants to take a walk around the block. I want to affect organizations and individuals. And that's a very different kind of book. So when you read The Summit Mindset, you can read it as a CEO organizationally and see how you can apply it. But you can read it individually and it can make an impact in your life. I think the, at the end of the day, I just want to make a dent in the universe. I want to make a difference for people. Part of my servant leadership, one of my pillars is others. And that's the purpose of this book. I hope to get out and do some speaking on the summit mindset. I hope to do more coaching. Uh, These are things that I really have a passion for. It sets my soul in fiber to talk to you and to help people. And it's really what I love. And I hope the summit mindset can get in the hands of folks and give them some intersections to pause and make some changes in their life in a positive way. So what was your favorite chapter and why that you wrote? Well, that's a great question, Deb. I think uh, my favorite chapter was really, I'd have to give you two. I'd have to say courage is an important one because courage, people think you have to be bold, you have to be strong. It's that 1950 manager that slams on the desk. No, courage can be quiet and everyone has courage. And there's times in our life when courage is demonstrated by all of us. And I just want people to really lean into their courage more and their own voice, right? And in any way it comes, whether it's loud or quiet, 
lean into your courage. I also really enjoyed the chapter on faith because faith is something that's really uncomfortable for folks. And when I wrote the chapter on faith, it was a chapter I didn't want to judge anyone, whether you're you know, a Roman Catholic and atheist, you could get something out of my writing in that chapter. It could give you a reason to pause to think about there's something bigger than us when you walk out in the quiet of that morning dew and see the sunrise and there's something greater out there. So a little reflection on faith was a chapter that I was really proud of and actually one of the ones I got the most feedback on. A non-judgmental chapter just to talk about life a little bit. You know, I like that about faith because faith takes on so many things. There's a certain mindsets or thoughts around faith, but it also creates community, common thought with others. And I was just on a plane flying back from Arizona yesterday, and there was a a group of gentlemen that were all wearing the same t-shirt, a men's conference, and it was a men's faith-based conference. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see people come together with common values and and to be able to study and evolve together. Because sometimes we think we can move through life alone, but ultimately we are all connected to everybody and we need to find our people and our community and something spiritual to help move us forward. Because sometimes things just don't make sense, but community and faith just get us through. Yeah, for sure. It's a journey for all of us. We're on the same journey together. And the more we can help each other, the better off we all are. So where do you want to see? I'm going to switch back over to your company. Yes, Lee. So what's going to happen in the next two to three years? And are you going to jump ship off this one and start another company? It seems like we got a pattern here. What's going to be happening to you and the company in the next few years? Well, I, I love business. I've been in business, you know, for, for many, many years now. And you hear a lot of folks talk about retirement. I never talk about retiring. I love to work. It's something I'm in pursuit of. Yes, we really just want to build a great company. Today, we have 22 employees, only in five months old. Next year, I'm sure we'll be bumping up again around 50 employees. And we want to have the ability to people build their careers, be proud of what they do every day, be a valuable voice in the business and be a contributor. We always say, yes, we want to build a we culture that everybody's involved and everybody feels they're making a difference. That's really important to me to see people build their careers and do great things. So we just want to do great things, build a great brand that at the end of the week, we're all proud of the work we've done. In the beginning of the week, we're ready to go again and see people go further in their careers with really what I believe is a we culture. And I think it's very powerful. You know, folks talk about culture as something that is kind of a soft skill. I don't think so. I never want culture to be a plaque on the wall. I want culture to be a living, breathing tool of all of us. And that's why we call it a we culture. So just really looking to build an outstanding company to compete every day to win and to be humble, hungry competitors. What I love about this is that you lead from a human perspective. You lead with things that resonate with people and you didn't say anything about market share or anything like that. And that is the old way of, I want to get this particular market share. I want to beat to death my competitor. Again, obviously friendly competition, professional competition, but you start with what is most important is the outcome of just, like you said, a positive culture. Because if you have the right culture, you draw the right people, you get the right outcomes, which again, don't focus on the results, but what I talk about is pursuit of peace of mind. And your mindset, the culture you're building is exactly that. Yeah, Deb, I think you know you make a great point. The numbers are actually the easy part. They're science. We understand them. The legal yeah. part is the easy part. The tough part is creating an organization that's vibrant, that people feel they're growing, that people feel they're making a difference, that they feel they can be a voice without being judged for it, and that everyone can add value. And that, to me, when you do that, that is the most 
competitive organization you can create, you're galvanized as one team after a common North Star. And that's really what I love most about business building teams. And when you do that right, the outcomes are wonderful. What I love about this conversation, and we're going to bring this to a close, is I sincerely appreciate your backstory, why you do what you do and how you do it. You're impacting the lives of people by building yet another business and providing them a solution for their lifestyle. And then also you're leaving your legacy with your book for others to read, learn, and evolve. So full spectrum, and I just feel so grateful meeting you as a leader so aligned to the Drop-In CEO brand. But I will give you the floor one last time to share any last thoughts with my audience, because again, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, Deb, it's been an honor to spend some time with you today. I would say to your audience, I'd encourage you to have courage to empower yourself on the greatest asset you'll ever own, which is you, and do the work on you to make a difference in your life. And then I would say, if you're interested in the book, The Summit Mindset, you can find us, summitmindsetbook.com. You can find us on Instagram, Summit Mindset as well. And we're available on Amazon as well. I think it's a great read. It's a prescriptive book, which allows you to look and reflect at the end of the chapter with some exercises and do some work. And Yesly, you can find us on Yesly Water on Instagram and our website, Yesly Water as well. So I encourage your readers to go after life, find their North Star and empower them to be their best selves every day. So Scott, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you dropping in. I wish you good health and success, success with your business, as well as with the success of your book. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you. It's been an honor, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.